My name's Chris Lane. And I'm Claire Cook. And this is the Not Forgotten Podcast. So welcome back and we've got Hannah Hi. with us. Hannah, I'm so pleased that you're here. Oh, and it's so nice. We got to get you to come again and talk to us. So you were doing some really creative things at the yeah. conference in the corner there, in your mm-hmm. little corner. Um, just tell us a bit about what it was that you were doing and kind of how with that artwork you were drawing together some of the things you were noticing mm. in our time together. Yeah, so I started doing art probably about eight years ago, but I really got into it after studying theology um, because I kind of came to the realisation that actually it's a real privilege to be able to read (laughs) and study and stuff like that. And um, I looked at, you know, church history and how like stained glass windows or murals used to be the way to teach people who couldn't read and write. So I've really kind of lent on the creativity to kind of explore theological ideas. Um, So it was a real privilege to be the resident artist at the conference because it just meant that I could listen to the conversations um, and just kind of dig out some things that were going on. Um, I used to do quite a bit of prophetic art, so I think that just naturally comes in. And there was a really cool moment where someone was saying something and I was halfway through a piece and they said the exact words that I was like literally finishing the sentence writing. So sometimes those are things of God confirming, like, you know, that he's speaking, he's here with us. And it's, I suppose it's modern theology, really, um, mm. for normal people. <laughs> um, so, so one of the pieces of art that's actually kind of really spoke to a lot of people was something I did a while ago, but I kind of, it, it really kind of illuminated in the conference. And it was this picture of um, like a group of people and they're pointing over to like a group of people like sitting on a wall and they've got some beers and they're like hanging out. And uh, there's this, like, one leader with his, like, finger pointing towards the group. And they're like, let's take Jesus to those people. And then there's this one unassuming guy who's like, I'm already here, mate. And it's that whole idea that actually, like, you don't need to take Jesus to places or to people because he's already in that midst. Mm. And actually, there's so much to learn um, when you expect that Jesus is already there. And when you're communicating to someone, Jesus is already speaking, um, mm. even in the most like unassuming places. Um, so that was one of the, 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 the ones that really spoke to people. So I was really encouraged by that. Yeah, and I love that. And, and I love the way that you use the word like, you know, it's really unassuming. Mm. Sometimes we might look at an image like that and yeah. try and spot, you know, which is the Jesus character here. But, but the way that you had drawn that, it was like he was just within that group yeah that you know there wasn't really anything obvious yeah that kind of pointed him out and I love the way that with your art you just capture so beautifully some of the things that we talk about you know and and they're kind of ideas and mm. it's hard to get your head around an idea isn't it what what mm. does it actually mean when we say God's already there and at work yeah. you know like yeah. what does it actually look like yeah it's yeah. a bit an, of an abstract concept in some ways yeah um, but but that's the beauty of art and creativity mm. is that it kind of in a in an artistic and a creative way gives shape and form yeah 
to say, well, it may be like this. Yeah. You it's know. just another voice, isn't it, yeah. in, in the discussion, which needs to be heard and valued. So, yeah, I really appreciate being asked. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant to have you around. Is there a place um, online where people can see some of your stuff? I think Twitter is probably the best place. So my artist name is Creative Priest, um, and that's generally the place where if I do create new stuff or want to let people know about stuff, then it's mm. there really. So, yeah. yeah. Are there any other bits that you did over that over the kind of time we had together that you want to kind of mention? Anything that stood out to you? Another piece that you'd done that were... Yeah, well, I, I you bought this piece actually. Oh my gosh! And I prepared I it this piece. before the conference, so I I was a uh, kind of I just saw like a really scruffy envelope, and I, I imagined it being almost a bit like you know when you get a debt letter. I I know that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I years ago, too. yeah, that feeling. Um, and and I was thinking about you know Jesus incarnate and being with us in the midst of the beauty and the dirt of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artist Rembrandt creates this gorgeous image of the Trinity seated at a table and there's like an opening for you and um, if you explore that image there's some real gorgeous kind of ideas about like behind each person of the Trinity there's something that symbolizes that character Um, but instead of kind of um, doing the kind of I think it's the mounting in the house you know and stuff like that I did like um, a kind of housing estate flat um, a big jungle frame and then I did do a mountain for the Holy Spirit and they all kind of symbolise different parts of, of the character of God and um, I kind of wanted to reimagine what it was like when actually people joined the table mm. so I did it like a group of young people and like some of them are like rushing in like with their football to like grab a bite and there's like loads of food at the table And it kind of emphasises when I think about like celebrating communion as a priest, like I always like to tell the congregation, I want you to imagine that this is a huge feast and Jesus is here and he's welcoming you to this table. So I wanted to just show that actually children, you know, are as much and, you know, welcome to this table um and even in those midst of places where you think oh in when you're your own self and you're like I just can't see God here God is right in the midst of the mundane things Mm. the ordinary things like you say in your book yeah like you say I got the absolute privilege of buying that piece I was so happy I was so happy too (laughs) and um and the thing that drew me to it was just the joy that's around the table I just love that I love that um you know in that that space between the father the son and the holy spirit at the table that there are people just joyfully coming and celebrating with them it's not like a solemn affair i love that but then there's also still space um yeah you know there's like still that invitation of and you can come and join this party too if you want totally and that sense of invitation that you've managed to you know keep and encapsulate in that image and um and yet it's still like this joyful Mm. banquet Mm. and celebration and uh, there's a lot of life about it I love it oh thank you so much I think I called it Rembrandt the artist it's not it's Rublev R and R but yeah it's Rublev by the way yeah just to note (laughs) (laughs) um one of the things that we didn't get so much from you at the conference um because you were quite busy doing your art and then you had a little contribution on the panel which was fantastic you've done some writing around um i was just thinking about that thing of 
welcoming everyone to yeah. the table and everyone gets to join in. And, and I think one of the big discussions, whether in the C of E or just generally in kind of Christian leadership, is how do we how do we involve people who are not just uh, stereotypical mm. backgrounds of uh, kind of well-educated, um, you know, the, the kind of white, male, middle-class, um, and trying to, trying to say how do, we, how do we hear the voices and how do we um, acknowledge the, the learning and the leadership and the, and the giftings of all sorts of different people. And I know you, um, you wrote about a little bit about that for your, for your master's. And mm. do you want to talk a little to, to us about that? Yeah. So it, I think everything's evolving, isn't it? So when I wrote it, what was it, like three, four years ago? And I think actually the Church of England have come on quite far since then, mm. which is really exciting in terms of exploring ideas about what it means to raise leaders up from, you know, different places that perhaps haven't been before. Well, they were in the New Testament, you know, ordinary, mm. uneducated men. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of uh, reviving that idea that actually, you know, all are called, all are chosen, and that we all have a part to play. Um, we're currently sitting in Liverpool Cathedral, and I just want to kind of share a little something. I was sitting outside, and um, I was looking at the stained glass windows from the outside, and um, on the outside, they're, they're not much to look at. There's like a lot of detail, you know, there's bits um, and kind of metal breaking it all up. And, and, and to me, that kind of reveals the reality of, of, of human beings. And, and, you know, sometimes we'll just walk past it and not really see that moment of light coming through. But actually, if you, you go and enter into the cathedral and you stand on the other side or inside, then you, you see such a colourful display and you see a story, really. And I think that kind of leads into my dissertation. So the kind of highlights of that is that I realised quite a lot of what we do in culture and we've inherited as church, unfortunately, is that we make a lot of statistic-based assumptions on communities. Uh, assumptions... Our, our brain's way of just naturally working however it is a lazy thing to assume it's a quick way of being like oh I know what that is and I'm going to move on um, but I think the religious life the Christian life calls us to really stop and listen and to really see people so instead of kind of being on the outside and just seeing kind of the fragmented metal and the kind of bits of darkish blue and green you, you come inside and you sit and you see and and I think that really is where I got to with my dissertation um I I think it's it's really important that we are no longer kind of um continuing this kind of cycle of like homogenous churches and what I mean by that is that like if you look around your church and everybody looks like you well they're not going to all look like you but you know what I mean like Mm. if everybody is kind of similar to you and similar race and culture and all that kind of stuff there's a real problem there because and it's not like oh no I should be doing something about this because you know it's an injustice it's like well actually yeah it is but it's an injustice on yourself because Mm. you're missing out on the blessing of of really knowing the diversity of the body of Christ um and when I was journeying up here today I was thinking a lot about within my dissertation 
um, kind of befriending our own poverty. For some reason, we, we kind of see poverty as, as this financial poverty. Um, but actually, we all have a sense of our own poverty. And um, I think going through this process of ordination training and kind of seeing the barriers and, and stuff like that, I think one of the things that we need to be aware of, because I'm on the side of privilege now, you know, I'm educated, I've got a home and stuff like that, is actually you know, trying to be that do-gooder, trying to be that person that's like, you need what I have and, mm. and that kind of stuff. Um, because actually we, we all come from the dust. We all are broken. And, you know, the brokenness you might see in someone doesn't outweigh yours. Um, and so I looked a lot at, like, um, Jesus' encounters with those who were marginalised in, in my dissertation and I, I focused on, uh, like, Levi, the tax collector, uh, the Samaritan woman. And in that, I realised that, like, you know, we focus so much, for instance, on, like, the sexual immorality of, like, the Samaritan woman. However, if we just focus on that, we miss so much mm. of the reality of the story. Like, you know, Jesus broke through so many things that were, like, what he was brought up in, you know, the normalisation of, like, the racism of the Samaritans and the Jews, um, you know, sharing a cup with a woman who obviously was outcasted in her society because of the time she was drinking in the day, the fact that she was alone and stuff like that. And then just for her being a woman, you know. And Jesus seems to reach into those things. And I was trying to think, like, d did Jesus already know her story? Or does he like choose to not know and like just to hear that afresh? But he definitely came for her. He was definitely waiting for her. Um, but he has this real beautiful thing of listening. Yeah. And, and I noticed in these stories this pattern of people who had encountered Jesus. They were liberated from the things that kind of held them back in society, that silenced them, that told them that they, they could not go further than this point. And then from that moment, you know, she just goes straight back into the marketplace that, like, absolutely, you know, denied her, tells them all about this Jesus guy, and they all come in running back to him. And so, you know, these, this whole thing about the art of listening is, is one of, I think, the most important things with raising leaders from the margins because you realise in that moment when you really see people, you really hear them, you realise that you're similar. Yeah. You realise that there's a gift and you're able to say, oh my gosh, have you ever thought of this? Or, mm. you know, to grow in that relationship, things will happen without you really knowing it's going to. Um, but if we start from a point of judgment and assumption, we're not really going to get anywhere and we're just going to be these silly do-gooders. Mm. And that, unfortunately... Fortunately for, for the kind of working class or lower class, like we sniff a rat. And so, you know, we need realness and we need real connection. Otherwise, you're not going to do much with us, really. Yeah. And there's, there's something there about honouring and respecting as well, isn't there? Totally. And not just going in to think, well, my life's really great. Mm -hmm. So if you just have, if I can teach you how to live like I live, then your life will be really great. Exactly. But there's there's so much well there's so much arrogance to that isn't there for a yeah. start but but it's naive I think it's it's a real naivety to think that it's incredibly naive you know yeah. and it's and it's actually you know usually the things where things are more privileged are actually just more unseen 
and the unseen is more in, insidious really and so you know we look at these areas and we say oh there's this going on and this but the rock's been lifted they're not mm. hiding it you know and a lot of the reasons why some things are the way that they are is because society has pushed people down so much that there it feels there is no other way mm. to know get paid in a certain way or you know you inherit and so you know we are all the problem we are all broken and we all need a god we all need jesus basically yeah <laughs> if i could ask a question i think yeah. one of the you've said a number of times especially for the stuff from your dissertation around listening mm. um and we we talked about that quite a lot at, at the conference about um we go as learners not just as teachers obviously we have something to give but we we're also um learners um have you got any tips how do we how do we be good listeners like that's one of your strongest things mm-hmm. you've just said what advice do you have to people in terms of how do we listen well and deeply mm-hmm. do you know what the one person that really taught me to listen well is a, a guy called reverend glenn jones and uh he doesn't put it on like i'll be walking down the street and i'll see him and he's got stuff to do he's a busy guy but i'll see him just like you know knocking the shoulder of this like lady while she's getting her shopping and just pausing and i think you know we're so we're in a society that is so busy we're so self-indulgent we're so individualistic and i think my friend glenn has the ability to just to blur into the community aspect of things to really find those treasures like you know the treasures in the margins what the conference is called but to just be like there's something there's something here I'm gonna linger for a bit and see what's happening and and he doesn't do it because he wants to you know pat on the back to feel good about himself but he just does it because I think it just he realizes that pace of life is life in all its fullness and it's something that I've not quite you know caught on to yet but I, I admire that in him and I, I I think I try to slow down a lot when I want to just leave Um, I'm quite an anxious person actually a socially anxious person I come across as very like you know confident but I'm not and my kind of thing is like oh, I, I, when I get away from here I'll just go away but actually God challenges me a lot to just linger what's really happening after all of the noise like mm. who's left um, to really just stop does that does yeah, that answer it's really it? interesting and I think but, but the other thing you, you brought in now is that if we if we're to be listeners we are we are, that involves slowing down mm. and I think the push in a church that is often anxious mm. about decline mm. and is to get quicker is to, <laughs> like, we need to go faster totally. this is urgent totally. and there is something about urgency in the New Testament because we want people to know yeah. the gospel and know Jesus but there's almost like we need to save our institution so we have to mm. we have to put all this money and we have to do this and that and um, but what you're talking about here is is a slowing and a uh, in order that we might listen yeah and and I suppose it, it comes to the back to the thing about like you know you're befriending your own poverty befriending your own brokenness and asking the question like why is it that I need to grow this church why is it are we doing this because you know there's rhythms and there's times when you know almost like a rushing tide we need to go out but actually there's times of real pulling back 
and I think it is both you know but it there's a there's a holy spirit led way of doing this life that I think calls us you know into that place of really seeing beyond um, what the world tells us and I think there's an urgency that comes from um the gospel and the spirit that is, comes from compassion for people. Mm. And then there's an urgency that comes from fear. Yeah, And totally. I think that's what you're warning us against, that let's not be driven by fear and yeah. anxiousness. Yeah, totally. You know, if I, if I had lent into fear today, I wouldn't have come to this podcast. So, mm. you know, and, and so there's, that we have to push ourselves into where the Holy Spirit is. And, and the thing is, when God is calling us to those places, it normally is like really uncomfortable for us and we can't be bothered. And, you know, it provokes us to do something that takes away our time or what's important to us. Um, so we're challenged each day, really, to pick up that cross. Um, but actually, the blessing from that is, is, is flourishing, is community flourishing. Um, yeah. Mm, I love what you say there about... Um, recognizing our own poverty yeah and um and I I suppose again you know my thoughts go back to this this image of the the table that the Holy Spirit the Mm. Father and the Son are around and they welcome us to you know Mm. and that speaks to me of the Eucharist of yeah you know we we talk a lot about being Christ-centered and the thing when we gather around the Eucharist and we gather around Jesus and his brokenness and his mm. givenness is mm. that a word yeah. to us you Make know the, <laughs> the way that he you know uh, invites us kind of through his death into his yeah. resurrection life that um that is the place where we come face to face with our own poverty and our own brokenness totally. isn't it and and then it is this odd place of brokenness and celebration yeah it's of death and of life yeah. and it's of vulnerability but also of utter secureness yeah in the love of God and um that's that's where I wonder if you know rediscovering or re-embracing um, the Eucharist in, in parts of the church where mm. perhaps we've we've kind of put it to the side for a minute you know mm. or um w- one of the things that 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 kind of I'm wrestling with is when we're planting churches in new communities I'm just noticing sometimes that we think oh we'll do all this other missional stuff and mm. then we'll come to we need to figure out Eucharist later mm. and it comes much further on because I wonder, particularly in the Church of England, we, we have forms and structures and patterns and rhythms and liturgy that we are given mm. um, that sometimes can feel a bit like a barrier, perhaps, and how do I translate this into this community? And so that, that I wonder, is part of the reason why we, we put it off. Yeah. It's just purely practical. It's not a theological reason. Yeah. Um, but, but that sense of actually to reclaim or re-engage with our own brokenness totally the the place to do that is at the table of jesus isn't it because it's not just about being broken it's about being um resurrected with him totally and, and then given out back to the community you yeah know, as jesus is you see that in the ministry of jesus don't you, you see the invitation to his table that radically inclusive place mm-hmm. where all of the outcasts are gathering together around around him and eating this common meal together and then then 
the transformation happens as Very they silly. as they yeah. eat together and as they drink together and as they tell the stories of the faith and then you s- and the, but but the invite is always come to Jesus mm. yeah. come come to his table and i think levi you know hosting that meal after he encounters jesus and like the kind of people that he had amongst them i when i was looking into studying it they weren't just like you know dodgy they were proper dodgy mm. and and you know the jewish ancient way was that em- everything almost in a way was could easily tarnish you or uphold you as a good citizen and 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 that stuff just didn't seem to be important to Jesus Mm. like he'd risk it all all of his reputation to have this moment with these people and how powerful how historically impactful you know because I think even now in in our world in our society today that breaks us do we yeah. really do that in our churches? Or are we too afraid to look a bit dodgy as well if we hang out with whoever or vice versa? It's, it is, the challenge still goes for us in how Jesus just reached through the cultural norms. I think one of the things you said that was really powerful in the uh, panel discussion was about so there's, a, there's a, a good and right narrative at the moment of saying we want to raise up local leaders so that they can you know lead in their communities but you kind of pushed us even further than that and said actually it's not just local leaders leading in their own communities but being released to lead wherever Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to just kind of follow that up but I think that was a really important thing to add to that thank you and um I suppose I'll just say as well I'm trying to practice what I preach so you know with the background that I've come from and going through the process, you know, I've I probably had about 10 people in one week say, you know, I don't think rural or middle-class churches will have you, you know, I think you need to go to, like, urban areas or modern-style churches, whatever that stuff all means anyway. They all meant good, it's not to do with that, but it just shows the cultural mm. conversations um, and the ways that we speak sometimes. Um, but because my dissertation led me into a place to realise that actually, you know, those that are from marginalised or unassuming areas, cultures, you know, in the Church of England or other uh, churches, we are as much as a gift to those, you know, from completely, like, contrasting backgrounds. And so um, when I was, like, looking for roles and stuff, these fantastic roles came up in, you know, like, urban areas, like, big pioneering roles... And I was asked to apply for them, but I just felt God going, nah. <laughs> and, and, and I felt him say, I'm calling you to something, you know, that, that's totally not like you. And I'm so excited to go there. Um, because if, if we don't break those moulds, then actually in the future, I think we all do this stuff for the future. We want to change the culture. And so if I don't, you know put myself in a position that go to a place that is totally unlike the place that I've I've come from then how how are we going to ever have people of influence you know in our education systems how are we ever going to read books that actually are written by people who have that lived experience and I know we're starting to and that's really exciting but actually I want to see more of that and and I think you know that whole homogenous reality will break through and we'll start to live a more diverse 
community way of being and mm. um, that to me is of course reflected in in the heavenly kingdom yeah. because we're all going to the same place do you know what I mean mm. so so on earth as it is in heaven that's what I keep thinking and so therefore if you just raise up leaders from the margins into marginalized areas you lose out on a gift and that doesn't mean that not some people or a lot of people are called to that type of ministry but if you just literally go you can go there and you can go there it continues that cycle that it's an us and them and it continues this cycle that privilege and poverty is almost like holiness and brokenness and that is far far from the truth and I think one thing that in the reverse in the kind of early days of the Eden movement around Manchester one of the things was like how do people cross those boundaries maybe moving from middle class areas into a a more um, kind of deprived area or whatever you call them Um, that that was an interesting one because I would often say to people who think oh how can I relate to people who are very different backgrounds to me and I would say, well, you've just got to be who you are. Exactly. Rather than trying to impress people with certain mm. changing the way you talk or dress. And, and it's the, the same, the reverse. Totally. It's integrity. Uh, yeah. It's integrity to be who you are. And in my curiosity, I worked with my incumbent. She, you know, upper class um, and proud. And worked in parliament before she became a vicar. Absolute legend. And, you know, she... Well, had the integrity to totally be herself and she allowed me space to totally be myself and I have one of the best relationships with her that will continue you know now that I am becoming a vicar and so it is you are as much as a gift because I think sometimes people feel almost embarrassed about you know coming from privilege there's nothing wrong with it we're all a gift in different ways and if we work together oh my gosh that's going to be brilliant isn't it mm. so yeah, you have as much to learn from one another. It's a mutual blessing. It's not separate or more or less than. Yeah, and, you know, I think there's something, isn't there, about hearing those different voices yeah. and, and hearing them with integrity and honesty. Totally. Um, when, I wonder if we run into trouble when we only hear one voice mm. and not the other. Um, one of my favourite things in worship is um, so here at Emmanuel College we have people from whose you know first language is you know a whole range of different mm. things. It's it's not just people who's you know for whom English is their first language. And one of my favourite things is sometimes when we'll do the Lord's Prayer and the person leading will say, "We're going to do the Lord's Prayer. Just pray it in." your language love that and um and it's this beautiful holy moment where in the space there are just these layers of voices Mm. all expressing the same heart of um, worship to god in the words of the lord's prayer which we know um, but i don't know it in farsi i don't know it in french Mm. you know i i only speak english i'm not i don't speak any other languages um but to hear somebody worship the same jesus that i worship Mm. in their mother tongue that carries something of their heart is such a beautiful thing and it's like we cut this little glimpse of heaven and you know i I think i hear what you're saying about it's not that we need one voice and not the other Mm. and oh we've had enough of that voice now now we need to all switch to hear this other thing but rather let's hear that chorus of culture and of um different voices different perspectives and how do we all gather together and worship 
Jesus because what a beautiful creative thing that is Mm -hmm. and I would love to see that more you know for me language isn't just about nation and your national language language is also about culture and Mm. um you know how I might describe something might be different to how you might describe something or um you know a language of art and language of music and different liturgical language it's it's there's such beauty in the range of ways that we can worship god isn't there and um and to lose an element of that because that person or that group feels oh well my bit's not really as flashy as their bit Mm. we are all poorer for it yeah we we are that's that's it in a nutshell we are all poorer for it i always come back to um revelation 7 uh, um, verse 9 where it says a great multitude that no one could count from every nation tribe people and language and then later it just says that they cried out together in a loud voice. And mm. just that's the picture, isn't it? Of yeah. us all standing together before God um, and kind of all our voices and languages are heard together in that place. Brilliant. Well, Hannah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You are a gift to the church. Oh, mate. So Definitely. you guys. Thank you. Thank you for making a way and having the courage to make a way in what you're doing so that other people can follow. Thanks, mate. We really appreciate it.